Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. I'd like you to remain standing out of respect to God's holy word. The text today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. And just as in last week, I'm going to read verses 6, 7, and 8. And then I will gesture, and all of us will read verse 9 together. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That would be John the Baptist. And he came as a witness testifying concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Together, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. May your spirit, O God, come and stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we gather, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen. John leads off this passage in the gospel with a clear word that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome the light. And what we celebrate this day is the way that God brings light to the silence. A mixing of the metaphors for certain So this past weekend, one of the things that we did as a family is um, we have grandchildren. I'm learning all of the new narratives, right? I mean, when we had kids, it was a whole set of animated things. But we were drawn into the story of what's known as the Polar Express on Friday. Now, what I consider to be the crowning achievement is that I did not wear pajamas to this event, As I looked around and some whole families were all clad in their pajamas and I looked down and I had my jeans and boots on and I felt pretty comfortable. What's fascinating to me is there was a story there, right? As I looked around the room, I was thinking about this day and how all of the children and all of the adults that were gathered, there was a story, right? There was characters, and in those characters, there was a sense of identity, and you would look around, and there would be people on their pajamas would be the symbols of that, whether it be the conductor or it be one of the children. And, and the reality is the train didn't go anywhere. The whole time I thought, oh, we're going to ride 30 minutes out on this train and 30 minutes back. And it finally dawned on me, we're in Galveston. You can't go for 30 minutes on a train in Galveston anywhere. Uh, So you just sort of get on the train, and then what happens is this story that unfolds 
is actually individual cars have characters that come in and they're animated and they're dressed and they, they retell the story and you're caught up in the story of what is happening. This is a th how Advent works, I think, in many ways, right? We, we anticipate, we, we've seen the movie, we've read the book, we know the story, but the church invites us every season in Advent to wait and to hope in this season for the coming of the one who is Emmanuel, God with us. It's the same story every year. And why is it the same story every year? Because our lives have changed, but God's story of love for us has not changed at all. And we bring these different effects of our own stories into God. And one of the things that we believe is that the challenge that we have is to recognize we are called to evaluate our story, to bring it to the story of God's love in Scripture as His Word, and to say, how do I make sense of all of this? Not to go in a human effort to try and make sense and then fit God in. And Advent is this season for us to remind ourselves again of the primacy of that narrative. Or as is laid out in our Doctrines and Disciplines in paragraph 104, the historical Wesleyan witness says that we believe that Scripture is the primary source and the affirmation of faith and from the affirmation of faith in the Nicene Creed and the Word of Scripture is the authority by which all other authorities are to be measured. So, so it begins with saying, what is the story? The story is a God who created, a God who loves. And this imagery of voice and light of words spoken in light come in sort of a paradoxical approach for us this day. I mean, all of us easily, we, we know that if we think about the physics of this, the physics of it is light travels faster than sound, right? So when we think about the imagery that's here is that God's spirit was hovering over the darkness and into the darkness, God spoke light. And there's something just miraculous in that, that when God speaks, it comes to pass. Light chases away the darkness. But God also invites us to be part of being bearers of that light. So the importance of this passage about John the Baptist is to recognize, as we launch into this text, what was occurring. John the Baptist was the forerunner. And when you read this opening chapter in the Gospel of John, and I encourage you, find time to just read the whole chapter today. I don't have time to unpack everything. There was a saying that came from a pastor out of Alabama that said there's three things that are hard to do in life. One is to climb a fence that's leaning towards you. The second is to kiss a girl leaning away from you. And the third is to preach an hour and a half worth of theological content in 12 minutes in a sermon. First, I've never tried. The second is none of your business. And the third, we're about to do, right? But that is just, it's packed with meaning, especially when you get to the end and you find out that they actually send, uh, Sanhedrin sends people out to, to talk to John and it, it unpacks, it's all there. Let the text speak and let yourself be wrapped in that story, wrapped in God's unfolding love. Here's the way that the early church father Origen said it. John the Baptist is like the sound in relationship to Christ. Christ who is speech. John himself suggests this view since he once said later in verse 23 of this opening chapter, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. That's an echo from Isaiah. And perhaps it is because Zechariah, his father, disbelieved in the birth of a voice to make known the word of God that he loses his voice and regains it. 
Do you see the paradoxical thing that's happening? It's just the narrative that John the Baptist's father doesn't believe he's going to be born. He loses his voice. And yet the one who is carried in Elizabeth's womb is the one who would be the voice. The very forerunner of the word is born. A voice that must be listened to so that the mind can afterwards receive the word revealed by the voice. Oh, friends, don't underestimate the power of your voice, not to answer every question, not to be able to predict anything that's happening. I get a lot of questions with all that's happening in the world. People say, preacher, do you think we're in the end times? And I always quote my dad, who really pressed in an Emmaus walk once, really pressed with someone who really wanted to know about the end times. My dad finally said, I think the most important end time we should consider is our own end time. So that whenever the end of time comes, we are ready. That's a brilliant statement. But our voice needs to be lending itself. In the midst of the story of the world, how does our voice get folded into what God's going to do? And as I said last week, I'll say again, sometimes this broken, hurting world needs people just to walk into the mess of it all and be able to say, yes, life is difficult. It struggles. Things are not going like we want. But let me tell you about a God who's been with me. Let me tell you a God who got me through the moment of darkness, the God who got me through the moment of brokenness, the God who brought healing to our marriage, the God who brought me out of this sense of grief, the God who brought me hope, the God who restored me, the God who forgave me. This is God's story for you. And it's God's story for me. And it's the one cradled in Mary's arms. And it's the story that John the Baptist is speaking to. But it's not just about a voice. It's about the light. So friends, the first important thing we should hear is that we let our voice speak into the silence of this world, hungering for what the light of Christ alone can provide. You don't have to predict. You don't have to solve. All you need to do is tell the story of who Christ is to you and God's faithfulness. Here's the way Augustine put it, or the church father Augustine, Augustine of Hippo. Jesus, the true light, teaching in Matthew chapter 5 says, nobody lights a lamp, puts it under a bushel. You call it the light, you are a lamp. Do not jump about for joy in your pride in case its little flame gets blown out. Jesus says, I'm not placing you under a bushel, but in order to shine, you shall be on the lampstand. And then I love Augustine's words, listen to the lampstand. Be lamps. I love this imagery. Carried for thousands of years to the church, the way that Augustine Origen heard these echoes of Isaiah, born out in John the Baptist, one whose voice would be a forerunner to the one who is the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. So when John the Baptist is later questioned, he actually claims his identity in the words of Isaiah that he quotes. I'm just a forerunner. I'm not the true light. This is actually, as a sidebar, this is where we get the clear understanding of John the Baptist pointing to Jesus when he says, I'm not worthy so much as to untie his sandals. Right? So he's already pointing a sense of stooping, a sense of kneeling. He says, I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. You see, John the Baptist claimed his understanding and who he was by aligning his life with the scriptures, and he aligned that by seeing who Isaiah is. So I ask you this. Not only do you let your voice speak in the silence of this world, not only should you let your life be a lamp unto the world, 
letting God shine through you, who is that scriptural witness that shapes your understanding of who you are in Christ? Who is that person in this Advent story? The journey to the cross and the journey to Bethlehem reveal many characters, but in this season we journey to Bethlehem in the empty manger. You think something is impossible? So did Mary. Is she your model? Are you having a hard time understanding what God is doing? What about Joseph trying to figure all of this out? Are you struggling to believe something miraculous? What about Mary's parents? I mean, just take the vignette for a moment. Mary was who she was because of her parents pouring into her life. When you visit Jerusalem and you go to the pools of Bethesda, there's a church known as St. Anne's, and what it celebrates is the influence of the parents of the Virgin Mary in her life that taught and poured into her life, that gave her a posture. So when the angel Gabriel showed up, she recognized his voice. How are we pouring into people around us? Are you wrestling with fear? Join in the throng of shepherds to hear, fear not and follow the light. Are you hungering for hope? So was the whole world for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew are known as the years of silence when God did not raise up a prophetic voice. You see, the world was ripe. The world was hungry. The world needed light and voice. And so this day, I offer you this simple challenge with the good news of the gospel. Let your voice be God's voice in a world filled with languages of hatred, animosity, demonizing differences. Be a voice of peace. Be a voice of love. Or to put it in simple terms from East Texas, don't punch back. Smile. And when you feel that moment of tension in this world or you are angered, let me challenge you to another plateau that you would pray for those who you find difficulty with and you would serve them in the name of Christ. And secondly, that you be a lamp and let the light of Christ shine through you. Friends, this is the great good news of the gospel. Who we are claimed by God's love in Christ. Christ.